Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and with me is my partner in crime, Joshua Gray. Ooh, crime. We're doing crimes now? I mean, you know, it's after Halloween, so oh, sure, why not? okay. How was well, your Halloween? It was good. It was yeah. really good. I, I went as a plague doctor, of course. Very topical, <laughs> right? Yeah. Too soon, Josh. Not too soon. Uh, joining us today, we have two special guests. We have a returning guest, Dr. Uh, Melissa Levan, and she is the psychologist and lead tobacco cessation clinician here. Mm-hmm. And joining us for the first time, we're welcoming Dr. Steven Slubar, and he's the clinical mental health pharmacist who also works with the tobacco cessation. And uh, based on context clues, I think we could probably guess what we're talking about today. Not smoking? Well, the actively trying to not smoke. Exactly. That's correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, November, of course, is um, the kickoff or the, the great American smokeout, uh, I think it believe it's the 18th. Yes. Uh, but of course, you know, one of the big focuses of November is lung health, mm-hmm. and uh, along along with that is, of course, quitting smoking. Absolutely. So I believe we had you on last year for mm-hmm. uh, smoking cessation. Yes. I've uh, successfully not smoked at all in the last year, so. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You did your part. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> but it's it's great to have you guys here again, and uh, you know, with the big focus of the last year being COVID, and with uh, you know respiratory illnesses kind of being on the forefront of everyone's mind. Uh, smoking cessation is very much a you know akin to that, so uh, we're happy to have you guys here to talk about that. Um, you know, with COVID being the big focus, have you seen um, you know, what have you seen from the, the trends of, of smoking cessation things like that? Has COVID made an impact on the number of smokers that we see? Well, we would hope that it would be uh, driving folks to consider quitting smoking, just because people who smoke have we've seen that they have worse outcomes if they do contract COVID-19. But what we have seen is that people are actually smoking more. Um, And there's plenty of reasons why that could be, the the stress of it all, being isolated at home, increased rates of anxiety, depression, mental illness. Those all contribute to to folks smoking. yeah. As, as someone who's you know very connected with the mental health portion mm-hmm. of it, uh, do you see a lot more people like starting up smoking or maybe like relapsing back into smoking during times of stress? Oh, absolutely. Um, especially folks who consider that that cigarette being a, an item of stress relief. I'm going to put that in quotes though because it doesn't actually relieve stress. There's other factors involved, but folks who believe that the cigarette helps them relieve stress, they're more likely to go reach for it. So when we're having increased stress, we're going to find people smoking a lot more. So with COVID-19, you know, even the people who aren't necessarily, you know, who don't have it or mm-hmm. aren't, you know, directly working with with patient care or, or having it affect them in their daily lives, uh, you're seeing a lot of that stress, I guess, kind of imparted through third party, I guess. Sure. Um, you know, do you think that people, veteran populations specifically, do you think there's a, a lot of, um, you know, learned habits from their military career that might impart now as, uh, you know, as, as they're veterans out in the civilian world? Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually went in and did a little research after you asked me the same question last year about mm-hmm. why, why do veterans smoke seemingly more than the civilian population? And that it's just 
part of the military culture. A lot of folks start smoking after they've enlisted or um, commissioned into the, the military. Um, and then a lot of folks start smoking or return to smoking after they've been deployed. And so a good chunk of the, the veterans currently seeking help are are folks that have been deployed. And so that increased risks, all the stress that comes with being deployed, um, we see more smoking in the military population. Let's also talk about um, how, at least in the past, I don't know how it is in more recent, for in more recent times, but when um, using, uh, taking smoking breaks uh, were, were common and, um, and accepted and so you might not have gotten a break if you weren't smoking. So folks saw that and said, well, I'm going to take that cigarette and I'm going to just hold it in my mouth. And then maybe then I'm going to take that cigarette and start lighting it up. And pretty soon you have somebody who is smoking because they have the, the promise of some extra break from work. Well, I think, you know, having been deployed and having been in, with a lot of people who were smokers or deployment smokers, as I guess some people would refer to it, um, you know, when you're kind of in a situation where you're locked down or you're in a facility and you can't really leave the facility, you're right. The only time you really do get a break is to go out and smoke. And maybe there's some similarities in that with, with people who are kind of quarantining or, you know, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to go shop. All the clothes or stores are closed and a lot of people were teleworking. So maybe that is the only time they do get a, like a brief respite from Absolutely. being sheltered. As you were saying that, I was noticing the, the connection between what you said about deployment and COVID-19 isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and I know folks that are that are very very short term stress smokers, right? It's like this this one thing happened. Oh, oh no, I need a cigarette, and and that's mm-hmm. it, right? But now we're we're getting very close now to being going into the third year of, of the pandemic. Um, how how much more difficult does that make your job in trying to convince people to give up that 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 stress smoking when it's now a two year habit? <laughs> That, that does make things a lot difficult. Dr. Slubar, do you I, have something to say? Yeah, I think in my uh, outpatient experience, similar to everything that we've kind of already discussed, um, partly is that lockdown are being kind of cooped up and are not going out because of fear of COVID, of not wanting to get sick. Um, you know, just smoking is that, re- that relief or that kind of that outlet. Um, but in terms of like resistance or getting patients really kind of ready to quit now, um, I think it's really just that, you know, kind of addressing it like this is not a new thing. This is something that we all are dealing with or have been dealing with. So what is the next step to really get get to that point of being ready to quit? And then when you kind of put it in that light, I feel like you do get some uh, buy in from your your patients to actually want to consider to stop smoking, whether the first time or or again. And it, it seems kind of odd to me to replace something like COVID that is going to trash your lungs very, very quickly with something that is going to trash your lungs very, very slowly. <laughs> Sure. Well, you know, you mentioned a little bit about uh, about the smoking cessation part of it, and I was interested to see what you know what the trends have been over the last year and a half. And I was actually very surprised to find out that um, fewer people have actually sought to quit smoking over the last year. Uh, they estimate that about 190,000 fewer Americans last year uh, called toll-free smoking cessation helplines compared to the year before. Um, do you think it's it's harder to quit, or less people, or people less interested in cessation options at this time? Well, I think initially, just in smoking, COVID or not, the initial really hardest part is uh, getting that readiness to make sure that they're wanting to quit. Because if you're not fully invested in quitting, the likelihood of quitting is very low. And um, for me, I think it's kind of still about the same. It's just you have to, as me for their provider for smoking cessation, if that's all I'm working them working with them for is. Uh, 
um, letting you know there's going to be some bumps in the road. It's not necessarily just um, right then and there. So um, I, that's really and actually what we're we're seeing is um, there's actually more resources out there available to folks for helping them quit smoking not only are the the toll-free quit lines but there's also um, through smokefree.vet um, smokefreegov.vet you can text now too which i didn't know mm-hmm. um there's web messaging text, yeah text vet to 47848 that's a mobile resource mm-hmm. um, something that was pretty new to me and then uh, mobilehealth.va.gov um, slash vet is actually a pretty cool website um, that you can go on there and look at all the resources available, medication or behavioral, and even put them all together or see what works best for you. And then it kind of gives you like a uh, projected outcome of your likelihood to be fully quit and staying quit. So so when we're talking about people and, and they may be smoking more because of COVID, is that cigarettes or is that something that includes cigarettes vape pens all of these other things because and i know this is anecdotal evidence but when i go out and i either am amongst my friends or just out in public i see very few people smoking now like cigarettes cigars things like that i see a ton of people vaping everywhere so um is is, are you seeing people that are that are more smoking or is it is it more vaping um, I think it's a combination, but the sometimes the not justification, but it's oh I don't smoke cigarettes, I just vape, and then you have to kind of put the vaping, the quantity of how much they're vaping into translation into cigarettes, because then you can actually kind of quantify. Everyone can envision twenty cigarettes versus one milliliter of your chosen nicotine liquid, um, and so kind of again as someone that does that, um, when you can provide that insight, they realize they're not really smoking, that they're smoking sometimes more. Um, than what they would if they would just smoke regular cigarettes. Well, and that's an interesting thing because, you know, with vaping, it isn't quite as regulated as smoking is. Um, I mean, you have varying levels of nicotine that go into it. I mean, some people are smoking with no nicotine. Now, it still probably has physiological negative effects on you, Mm -hmm. but you don't have the same amount of nicotine addiction. Um, from a you know a clinician standpoint, and when you're dealing with trying to find pharmaceuticals to help treat people, um, how much do you have to take that into account when it comes to vaping? Um, so same thing is just try to quantify if there is nicotine in it. Um, you know what is the strength? Because again, it, it's not all standardized or regulated, and um, go from there. So kind of a rule of thumb though um, about one milliliter it can be about the equated to about 10 cigarettes and so then you can use nicotine replacement therapies like the patches the gum lozenge similar to smoking or uh, smokeless tobacco and um, taper them down and then of course if it's not the nicotine therapies there are some other um, prescription medications that can be used um, just barring no clinical kind of contraindications or anything like that do you recommend using a, a vape as a tool to stop smoking? Because my that's that's my wife used to smoke, and that's how she stopped. Is she switched over to vapes and then eventually stepped herself down in the amount of nicotine content, and then eventually after a month or two of using a vape with no nicotine, she just didn't smoke anymore and didn't vape and didn't do any of that. Is that a, a kind of a recommended way to go about it? Um, at this time, it's not recommended by the FDA. Um, there's lots of reasons I can think of that would be, um, it wouldn't necessarily be helpful. If we think about it, part of the smoking process is just something about bringing your hand to your mouth, sucking in, and releasing um, vapor or smoke. 
And so that's another component of quitting smoking that you have to be battling. That's a, a behavioral component. That's where my, I, my, my colleagues step in um, to help tackle that breaking that um, when I put a cigarette or when I put something in my mouth, it feels good. Right. Or timing too, similar mm-hmm. to kind of the habit component, you know, after meals, driving, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, um, breaking that, breaking that loop or that cycle there. Well, it seems like, like there's such an associative behavior with a lot of activities, you know, for, mm-hmm. I know for some people it's bowling or, you know, in Las Vegas casinos mm-hmm. because yeah. so many people are, you know, one hand on the, on the, <laughs> on the slot machine, the other on their cigarette or their mm-hmm. drink or something like that. Is it more difficult, do you think, in a, in a city that has such a smoking culture to kind of break that? I think it does make it very difficult to quit smoking if you are not being asked to, to go outside and smoke that cigarette. Um, the, the benefit of going outside in those places that don't have that um, that, that do have that restriction, that don't allow the smoking indoors, is that it gives people time to consider if they actually want or need that cigarette before they're out there smoking that cigarette. Whereas people who are in the casinos, as we see, one hand on the, the slot machine, another on their cigarette, they're not even thinking about smoking that cigarette. So they're not even thinking about quitting smoking that cigarette because they don't even realize it's in their hand. Well, and of course, at a casino, any time away from the machine to go smoke is not what the casino wants you to be doing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it reminds me of uh, living back in Wisconsin when they they bought the bars moved from being uh, smoking to smoke free. You saw a lot of people quit smoking because nobody wants to go outside into the negative degree temperatures <laughs> to smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if only we had cold weather like that here in Vegas, right? <laughs> Probably not the thing to say right before uh, winter's about to set in. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Dr. Levan and Dr. Slubar to talk about smoking cessation. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Getting a flu shot helps us stay healthy so we don't miss out on what matters. Like that family movie night your daughter can't live without. (coughs) Yeah, can't do that. Every year, millions of people in the U.S. get the flu. Especially now, no one has time to miss out on moments that matter. So get your flu shot. Find out more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related health care news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Dr. Levan and Dr. Slubar. We're talking about smoking cessation. Of course, November being the Great American Smokeout. 
we'll talk about some of those details for the uh, that holiday <laughs> um, in a little bit. Uh, but we're coming up on the actually just past the two year anniversary that the VA nationwide went smoke free. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember two years ago working here and there was a big push to to close up all of the the smoke shacks and um, you know move everybody off the property uh, for smoking and. You know, what have you heard from feedback from veterans and employees in the last two years? Well, there's still the, all of that negative feedback. Of, Why won't you let me smoke on, on campus? It's still outside. Everybody else lets me smoke outside. Um, but the, it's just we can't do that anymore. That's not something that's um, allowed. It's a smoke-free campus, which means the entire property. Um, and so folks... Uh, have uh, had to to be to improvise, so to speak, uh, and so what we've seen a lot instead of people coming to ask for help for quitting, they they find innovative ways to 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 sneak that cigarette in. I've seen people smoke in their cars or um, go across the fence line to um, smoke just outside of the property, and then they come back into the hospital for their appointments. Maybe it is even like a, a lung appointment or something like that. Uh, it's just. The, the cigarette is it's too big of a draw for folks. I, I haven't had to do this much, but I, I actually uh, caught somebody smoking oh, really? uh, last week. Um, you know, and I don't I don't walk around looking for like veterans to bust smoking or anything like that. But um, yeah, I was out by our, our west entrance, and uh, this gentleman was out there, just kind of right out there by the roundabout, cigarette in hand, and just uh, had to remind him that we were a, a non-smoking campus here, and. Uh, he basically told me, he's like, well, I didn't see any signs that said where we could smoke, so I just figured I could do it wherever. And I'm like, no, sir, sorry, it's uh, not here, sorry. Yeah. And, and he was he was very accepting of that. He was he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. And he put it out right away and uh, went about his business. But, uh, yeah, I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, you don't see it as much as many anymore since we've, you know, it's been two years been two since years, we've been yeah. a smoke-free right. campus. Yeah. Uh, I am kind of surprised that, you, that you're that still seeing people who would rather choose to inconvenience themselves rather than just quitting smoking. But like, I mean, as you said, addiction's the, a powerful thing, man. It sure yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, just to be clear for everyone listening, um, smoking in your car in the parking lot is still not allowed. Nope. Um, there's not any tobacco to be used on the premises. Um, walking off campus beyond the fence line is allowed. Still not, you know, not healthy, but if that's cho- what you choose to do, it is allowed. Mm-hmm. So bit of just, a walk. It, it is, is a bit, bit of a walk, walk yeah. but I guess you get your steps in somehow. <laughs> Silver lining? Yeah. I, I guess. Um, you know, with those people who do choose to quit, you know, mm-hmm. for who you know, decided to make that choice, um, what kind of resources do we have available? We'll, we'll go first for employees. What kind of stuff do employees have available to, to quit smoking? So employees have options through the employee health um, they can contact employee health and say that they're interested in smoking, and the, I believe that they prescribe some tobacco cessation um, products. Um, I'm not so sure if they have any counseling available, but uh, the the toll the toll free lines that you mentioned earlier, the one eight hundred quit now is the the one that comes to mind. But um, those are are free and available to to employees as well using that that quit line. And that's available for anybody, correct? That's available Not for just anybody. veterans or employees. Mm-hmm. That's nationwide. Yeah. So um, similar to the the veterans crisis line, the the number that you call is what everybody uses in a crisis, and then you have that press one for veterans. The the smoke 
the smoke-free line, the quit line for is, has pretty much the same number, and then you can choose an option for veteran-specific uh, treatment as well, or you can call 1-800-QUIT-VET mm-hmm. to, to get directly to the, the veteran-specific treatment options. Okay. As, you know, as somebody who works regularly with, with people who are trying to quit, um, you, you probably have, they have some level of, of commitment to you know, try to quit. Mm-hmm. How do you approach someone who doesn't necessarily want to quit? That's a, a tough one because as a healthcare provider, you want them to quit. But if they're not in that place of readiness, then we can't force them. Because if you think about it, if you somebody says you have to do this and you have to do it now, everybody's initial reaction is going to be like, nope, gonna, and they're going to back away. They're going to get defensive. And so um, the, the best way to, to help folks who are um, not ready to quit or not are saying that they don't want to quit is let them know how quitting can help them with their health or finances or whatever will ring true with uh, something that's important to them and then let them know about the resources that are available so that they can reach out and and ask for help when they're ready yeah same for me i think it's um if they're not completely ready just for their own health because you would think smoking or copd is in the picture or cardiovascular disease whatever it may be um showing those incentives or how you could benefit your own pocketbook or those that are around you right maybe um, you want to not harm your family or someone else that you live with whatever it may be and then kind of get that motivation that way. But of course, the readiness has to come from them. So whenever they're ready, just let them know that you're uh, accessible. I always wonder what, like, what the most you know, effective incentives are for people. Because you know, sometimes, especially with younger generations, I'm sure the, the imminent threat of, well, not imminent, but the, the distant threat of health issues may not be the biggest disincentive. I know, you know especially, again, going back to the deployment mindset, you're kind of under the idea that, you know what, you could be killed at any moment, so why am I worried about potential lung mm-hmm. cancer 40 years down the road? For a lot of younger veterans, or, or, you know, finances probably are a much bigger concern than you know, the, the health you know, repercussions long down the road. Um, do you have like, information that you give out to them telling them, like, hey, like, this, is, this is something that would help you now? So for me, right, I think like a pack of cigarettes today is eight dollars or something around there how much cigarettes cost nowadays i honestly couldn't tell you the exact number but eight to twelve yeah i think it's somewhere in the eight to ten twelve range um and if they're smoking a pack a day you know you do that math while they're with you right then and there and they can see oh man i'm spending quite a bit of money this could be clothes gas whatever you know and then it kind of puts it in a a clear perspective Mm -hmm. typically what age demographics do you see most often come to you looking for smoking cessation it's more older older veterans the young ones, I, I don't see them too much, but uh, they could be seeking help elsewhere. They could be talking to their primary care provider. They could be going directly to pharmacy. For me, it's pretty uh, widespread. Um, my my patient, the patients I work with, the veterans I work with, um, pretty pretty widespread age range. Now, dealing with the, the clinical part of it, um, what are the most effective uh, forms of smoking cessation treatment that you work with regularly? So. All smoking cessation uh, therapies have pretty high uh, rates of efficacy or helping you stop quitting. Um, and so it really just has to be patient preference or things that they may have tr- haven't tried or they failed in the past and you don't want to go down that route again. Um, and so you really just work and explore all options with the patient and then go that route. Um, of course, like some of the medications, again, if you have certain um, medical conditions or history of certain uh, mental health, whatever it may be, then they may not be the best candidate for certain therapies. Um, but 
nicotine replacement is really where we start um, because that's um, kind of just what's been around for a very long time and it's pretty effective as well. And, and nicotine replacement kind of works in a, in a more passive way where like smoking is very active. It's, 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 you know, I smoke, I get that nicotine high and then there's a drop off and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have another cigarette and I get that nicotine and there's, there's, uh, you know, crests and, and waves and things like that. But how does, how does the, the replacement work if it's more, uh, I guess if it's more, more of an even distribution? Um, so the replacement, it's tapering or it's gradual, like you were saying, and um, I think it's also favorable um, when you do it with like a gum or lozenge because it can also be that source of kind of that habit of reaching for something. Instead of reaching for a cigarette, you can chew a piece of gum or a lozenge, and that's kind of breaking that habit of reaching for a cigarette. But over time, you start at a certain level, depending on how many cigarettes you're uh, smoking, and then over four to six weeks at each step you kind of go down and you're getting less and less nicotine over time so the the cravings or the desire to smoke should be less and less as well and from a mental health standpoint how mm -hmm. do you kind of fight those associative behaviors or some of the you know the, the non-chemical uh dependency issues well you have to identify what are those points in your day that you are reaching for those cigarettes is it in the car like we mentioned earlier bowling or and so forth and figuring out um, what those points of the day that are particularly vulnerable for picking up that cigarette so that you can then start to think, well, what else can I be doing at this particular time? So um, there could be replacing something inside in your mouth, so the, the gum or n not even nicotine replacement gum. That's an or option, candies. but you can yeah. just use regular gum. I've mm -hmm. heard people find great success with, like, cinnamon sticks because mm. it's about the size and shape of a cigarette, and then that spice adds a little bit extra um, to, to help curb that that need to have something in your mouth. Other people chew on pens or, and so forth. So finding something that can break that connection between that nicotine high that you were just mentioning and having that cigarette in your mouth. Um, so having something in your mouth without that nicotine high is gonna be breaking that connection. And how do you prevent relapses? How do you prevent people, you know, how do you give them the, the strength and the resources to, you know, quit again if that comes up? You, oh, well, not to make a joke, but you, you're there. You follow up with your patient, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what I was going to say is, uh, Dr. Levon and myself, that's where we come in, but um, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that you see your patient frequently and identifying any kind of barriers or kind of bumps that they're having hard uh, trouble, you know, um, overcoming, whether if it is from a medication standpoint, if they're having really significant cravings and they're not ready to go down, maybe giving them a little bit more time on a certain medication or patch, patch mm -hmm. strength. Um, or maybe they need to talk to someone more frequently, right? Giving them resources to somebody that can talk to them about the habits or the stressors behind it that medication doesn't necessarily target. The other important component of that, that process, that relapse process, is removing the element of shame. Quitting smoking is hard. And so it takes many people, most people, several attempts. So anybody who is coming back and asking for help and, and saying, hey, I, I relapsed on, on smoking, Rather than shaming them and saying, you shouldn't have done that, that's a terrible choice, and making them feel bad, where they won't come back and ask you for help again, mm -hmm. you uh, normalize it. Say, yeah, it's part of the process. Let's figure out what we can do this time around that can help build your, your chances of success for a longer period in the future. 
So um, reducing that element of shame would be a major component as well. And the flip side for that would be is acknowledging uh, little successes, whether it's been, I've been smoke free for a week or one month or however long it is, letting them know that, you know, um, because if you've been smoking for 10 years or 15 years or however long it is, and you finally have gotten to 10 days or 15 days, like that's a huge thing, you know. And so sometimes that encouragement actually goes a long way as well. Mm -hmm. And you also do the group therapy sessions for smoking cessation, right? Uh, I've actually passed that on to Dr. Mor- Mariah Schwan in ADTP, so she runs the group now, but I can answer some questions if you have any about the group. So have they moved back to in-person? They have. Yep. Okay. It's still on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock at the Behavioral Health Clinic, the green building in the main hospital. You don't need an appointment, so please stop on by if you're interested in uh, attending. Have you heard any uh, any positive feedback since they moved back to in-person classes? Uh, it's still difficult to get people back in person once they've gotten used to all of this virtual programming, uh, telephone calls, video calls. <laughs> yeah, got got past the transition of not wanting the tech, and now it's kind of the convenience for seeing the utilization of tech. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of seeing seeing both. Okay. <laughs> uh, with Great American Smoke Out coming out uh, mm-hmm. coming up uh, later on this month. What's the significance of having the Great American Smoke Out in November? Is there a reason like that particular date? You know what? I never actually looked into <laughs> that. I was I just accepted it as fact. Uh, if you happen to know the answer, I don't know. So that'll be a quiz question <laughs> for the next episode. Uh, <laughs> leave, leave your comments or send emails mm-hmm. to us, and uh, the winner will get a prize. <laughs> yeah. What's the prize, John? Uh, pack of nicotine gum. Awesome. We're, we're sticking with the theme here. <laughs> Unless you don't already smoke, <laughs> we'll find something healthier. We don't want to start anyone smoking <laughs> based on this show. <laughs> Um, well, we look forward to seeing more uh, more stuff coming out for mm-hmm. Great American Smokeout. I know you plan on having some uh, some events, and Hopefully, we'll post yeah. those up to our uh, um, social media accounts, and we'll we'll get information out there for employees as well. Excellent. So, um, I want to thank both of you guys for joning us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been been great as always, and you know, unless everyone quits smoking in the next year, we'll probably see you next year for uh, <laughs> smoke about smoke out as well. Can I uh, put a plug in there for how veterans can seek help? Absolutely. All right. So um, talk to your primary care and there's mental health uh, providers within embedded within uh, primary care. They're called PCMHI. If you let your primary care provider know that you want to quit smoking, hopefully they can d- give you a warm handoff to one of those providers. And those providers are trained to do short-term therapies. They can be in work with you individually the group we just mentioned. Um, if you're already enrolled in mental health, you can talk to your mental health provider Definitely. and then bringing so, pharmacy involved. Yep. Uh, you call the appointment call center 702-791-9024 and you follow the prompts for scheduling a new appointment. As soon as you get connected to somebody, you say, I want to quit smoking and they'll get you an appointment with pharmacy. Yep. And then there's uh, national initiatives that are available to vets as well. And again, we kind of talked about those, but the national quit line, um, 1-855-QUIT-VET. And then, of course, the online resources that are available 24-7. Even if you're not ready to talk to someone, they're great resources to explore what your options are and kind of put things together to see what the the path to quitting smoking would be for you. So, um, And, of course, in person, if that's what you prefer. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, we talked about the, the app and the text service mm-hmm. as well, in case you didn't want to actually call the, the, the line themselves. Definitely, so. yep. Um, just again, uh, the word is VET, V-E-T, and you would text it to 47848 to kind of get started there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Sulevar and Dr. Levan. It's great having you guys here. And thank you. Thank listeners, you. we will see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. 
For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.